0: All right, so I just had James J. Sexton on the show and just really instrumental conversation about relationships. And this is coming from an unexpected source. James is a divorce lawyer with offices in Manhattan and Rockland County. He's the author of the number one bestseller, How to Stay in Love, Practical Wisdom from an Unexpected Source. He's been sought after, he's been a speaker on NBC Sunday Morning, Access Hollywood, Access Daily, The Rachel Ray Show, Nightline, Watch What Happens Live, Good Morning America, and just so many other programs. And his message really just serves true. With so many of us out there, we, we, we come into marriage, and it's something that's so sacred, yet it's, it's so unknown, right? There's, there's no playbook, there's no, there's no map, there's no manual, and we go in, and as we grow, we, we grow apart. <music> All right, so welcome back to the Jason and Peely Project. Super excited for today's guest, James Sexton. Hey, James, how you doing?
1: I'm great, I'm great, thanks for having me.
0: So we had a great talk offline. We have very similar principles, working out, getting up early, using our day to build our life. And I'm just, I'm so curious that you work in a practice, right, where you find people at sometimes their, maybe their weakest moments or their darkest moments or just difficult moments. How do you keep commonplace and remain? I don't know, if, even if you do, but remain emotionally uninvolved, where you're able to give the best guidance in a point where where people are looking to you for that next step.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. I mean, the thing that drew me to divorce law was that fact was the fact that you're seeing people. At an undeniably difficult time in their lives, you know, in this increasingly curated society where you know we're 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 constantly seeing on Instagram or on social media everybody's greatest hits, meanwhile we're living our own gag reel. You know, it's it's really easy to sort of you know put yourself out there as having this perfect life, but when people come to me. They can't pretend they meant to get divorced. You know, nobody meant to get divorced. Nobody yeah. meant to be in my office. You, everybody started out the same way. We wanna do this, we wanna to be together. There's 7.3 billion people in the world and this is the one I've chosen. And and they cannot pretend that they meant to have this happen. And I think there's something really beautiful about that. I think that that's an incredible opportunity. It's a vulnerability that, that, that in a very curated world, we don't get to see. You know, we only see it with our closest friends, our family members, when they go through something that they just didn't expect. So for me, I, I don't feel their pain drags me down at all. I, it inspires me. I'm, I'm 20 years I've been doing this and I'm still very humbled by the things that people put in my hands. You know, the things they trust me with, the, the, the pain they're going through and the way that they look to me and say, look, help me navigate this. You know, my skill yeah. has always been staying calm and focused in the storm and 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 that you know i'm someone who thrives under those conditions you know even when, when covid hit you know i i'm one of those people that like recognizing and adapting is really my skill set and so mm-hmm. i just went okay this is what we have to focus on this is what we can do this is what we can't do let's figure out ways to make the best of this and let's figure out ways to live without that and i i feel like for me this was the perfect profession but You know, I I also think, too, there's something to be said for, um, you know, whoever discovered water, it wasn't a fish. You know, when you're in something, you don't really see it clearly. And so if you emotionally get yourself too invested in your client's cases, you don't see them clearly anymore. And, And I think it's really, really important for anyone who's in a helping profession of any kind to really be able to step back. And to look at it in a really unemotional, unsentimental way, and make good decisions, and help this person see through their own emotional cloud and see clarity. So that's really been my my secret as a professional. Um, but but I I think that has a lot to do with my own individual personality and my approach to my own life.
0: Have you seen COVID create a whole nother massive shift in relationships because? It, there's a point in in relationships where you, you can be busy right and almost masquerade the problem and now to be put in a place where you have nowhere to go what have has been some of the results that have come to you from there yeah
1: I'd say there's 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 a couple and there's 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 covid positive and covid negative already mm. so covid positive nothing unites people like a common enemy and so when people are struggling with really fundamental things, like how are we going to get the food we need? How are we going to keep our children safe or ourselves safe or our parents and grandparents safe? That unites people. It makes them put down all the petty garbage. You know, we saw it after 9-11. I saw it in uh, after the subprime mortgage crisis. You know, I saw people saying, all right, wait, we're going to lose the house if we keep focusing on the fact that, like, you're not as romantic as I'd like you to be as much of the time or oh, we're not having as much sex as I'd like. Like, we're going to lose the house. We got to stay focused here. So in that sense, there's something positive that comes from it. On the negative front, unfortunately, I've seen a lot more negative come out of it in my field, and, and that is that that I do think the strain, you know, uh, uh, I think uh, Goethe said, um, to know a thing, know its limits. When it's pushed past its tolerances, its nature emerges. And I think we're seeing under financial stress, losing a job, um, those are those are the things that the little cracks in a marriage they start to really become big big uh, fractures you know and, and and I've always believed and I talk a lot in my book about the fact that marriages people people get divorced like they go bankrupt very slowly and then all at once and and that's kind of what COVID did it accelerated by putting pressure on things and I would also say that that some of it is just a function of marital discord that happens because people are just around each other more. And you can't really, you know, a lot of our relationships, we we start to distract ourselves from the relationship. You know, people have kids, and then it's really easy to focus on the kids and just be like two people running a daycare center together. And, you know, you just don't have to really look at the fact that you're not romantically connected or you're not compatible anymore. Um, And and now I think people are, you know, in, in small apartments, small homes, and they're you know, all working remotely and the kids are there. And look, a lot of people said for better or for worse, they didn't say for lunch, you know? And, and there's a feeling of like, wait, why are you here all the time now? I liked it when I saw you for an hour or two before bed at night and then on the weekends. And now I'm seeing you 24 seven and I think the cracks are showing. So. We had a lull for the months of like April and May, and then in the last two or three months, just the floodgates have opened in terms of how busy all of myself and all my colleagues really are, which is that, that there's a lot of people. The fall is always a busy time for lawyers, divorce lawyers, because kids go back to school and people were waiting for the summer to be over and the kids go back to school before they, you know, file for divorce or go talk to a divorce lawyer. Um, and, we're, we're, and January is big for us too, because people are waiting till after the holidays. So we're getting right now sort of that crush that normally comes, but we're also getting, you know, what we're calling the COVID crush.
0: Yeah, you know, I've heard you make the comparison of if you were to pick a car that would last forever right with that that car you know you 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 may not think of it when you're your 20s or even 30s you may pick that you know that Lamborghini or that you know that special anti-car but if you you, it's like the same thing with marriage right you you don't there's no playbook there's no manual there's so many other things that you you have so much preparation for and sometimes here you are you're married okay go for it
1: right you made a choice in your 20s or 30s most people and, and what was appealing to you in your 20s and 30s was, was one set of things, just like a Lamborghini would be really appealing in your 20s. But when you try to put a car seat in it or when you're 70 and trying to get in it, that may not be the car for you. So it's the same thing with marriages. You know, it's, it's how do we find someone who we deeply connect to at that stage of our life and then stay connected to them? And, and, and really my book, uh, you know, the, the, the reason why it's called How to Stay in Love um, you know, falling in love is easy. You don't need a book for that. Like that's easy. You know, you meet someone, there's chemistry, we fall fast. Um, and but how do we stay there? You know, how do we because no single raindrops responsible for the flood, you know, and so we we have these small disconnections and small disconnections, and all of a sudden, you know, you're here and I'm here, and and, and, and we don't know how that distance happened, and neither of us likes it. And we're kind of afraid to talk about it or even acknowledge that it's there and then we start to go well maybe it's just me that feels this way and this other person's so happy so i, I don't want to disturb it because i love them but but that's what's so interesting i i really have found with my clients that if they were able before taking the step of coming into my office to say to their spouse look we're at critical mass right now like i don't know how we got here but we got to figure this out um i think they'd be you know ultimately many of them would of course corrected and figured out ways to not have it happen that's why a lot of what i talk about is how to how to maintain how to stop those small disconnections you know you do preventative maintenance on your car you don't just go to the dentist when you have a toothache when you have a toothache it's too late you know the dentist can't do much for you but when you go for routine checkups why because you care enough about your teeth to say, hey, if there's something I can do for five minutes a day that's going to keep these strong, why wouldn't I do it? Well, same thing's true of your relationships. You know, friendships, marriages, anything, any any romantic relationship, any any non-romantic relationship. There are little things we can do every day that are the equivalent of flossing or brushing your teeth. You know, they they maintain the relationship. It, it, you and I both know because we're both you know fitness people. Look, it's a lot easier to stay a healthy weight Mm -hmm. and to stay in an exercise regimen than it is to to balloon up to a heavy weight and get into bad eating habits and sugar addiction. And then, okay, I gotta break this and I gotta lose 20 pounds and I gotta totally change the way I eat. That's a harder thing to do. And that's what people generally do in relationships. They wait until there's an affair. They wait until they're so far apart from each other to actually stop and go, okay, wait, what can we do every day to try to stay a little closer and a little more connected?
0: so interesting. So what are some of the the hard questions or practical questions that a couple should be asking each other, whether it be prior to the marriage or or in the marriage? I, I think it's, it's so, it's so true, right? Like you, you put off the dentist and you don't go for years, well then the match result is, is pain, right? And it's the same thing with the relationships. How can we circumvent that and get back to pain?
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of ways to do it. I, I think some are big and some are small. I think if you're at the start of a relationship, I mean, obviously that's the best time to be in good habits, to just communicate, communicate actively, be honest with this person about your feelings. You know, most of our problems, I think, stem from two problems. We don't know what we want and we don't know how to express it to another person. Those are, those are really the two fundamental problems that cause all the other problems. So the first step is identifying honestly to yourself, what is it that you want? You know, I, I've, I've always felt that that the, the most important question we can ask ourselves is, what is it that I don't want to feel? You know, because why we drink, why we do drugs, why we engage in destructive behavior towards ourselves, why we make bad decisions is usually to avoid a feeling we don't want to feel. Well, what is it you don't want to feel? Figure that out and and, and be able to, to, from the beginning, share with your partner. Because look, again, we're all going into this with the same goal in mind. We want to be connected. We want to be loved. We want someone to see our blind spots. You know, I've been doing this 20 years and I'm still a big believer in the fact that that we are better together than we are apart. I really believe, you know, marriage is like the lottery. You are probably not going to win. But if you win, what you win is so good, it's worth buying a ticket. It's worth trying. And, and, And it's not like the lottery in the sense that the lottery is dumb luck. A marriage is not dumb luck. A marriage is, is an a organic being. There's the you, the me, and the we. And, and it's really about feeding the you, feeding the me, and feeding the we. And, and keeping and maintaining the you, the me, and the we. And that's where people make their biggest mistakes. So I would say, staying connected to yourself is the first step. Remembering who you are, what makes you happy, what you need from a relationship second step is communicating that to partner and doing it in tangible ways you know if, if, if my partner says to me you know um i'd like us to spend more time together they, they don't actually mean that so if we're just spending time in the same physical space that's what you want no you're saying i want to feel more connected to you because i think most people's romantic partners if you said look you can have four hours where you're in the same physical space but both staring at your phones or you could have an hour where you go for a walk or you go to you know the gym together or you go to some event that you're both interested in or that the other one's interested in and you're just there supporting them they would say oh my god i'll, I'll take quality over quantity anytime yeah. but we don't know how to ask for it so we say well we should spend more time together or if you know if you say oh I, I wish you know, we want more sex i wish we had more sex you know really is it more sex is it volume of sex or is it that you want to have The feeling that you're attractive to your partner. You want to feel that your partner is cheering for you and and thinks you're the most handsome, sexy, wonderful guy in the world or the most beautiful woman that there is. I mean, that's the feeling we want. If I said to you, you could have mediocre sex every day or you could have like knock your socks off sex twice a week. Most people, if they're being honest, would say, no, I want like the Sally Showstopper session twice a week. That sounds great to me because that's the one that's going to linger in my mind and leave me feeling romantically connected to my partner you know so I think really honestly identifying what you need what you want and and then having your partner do the same thing and then finding a way to communicate that that doesn't feel like a criticism because I I really think the biggest mistake people make in, in romantic relationships is constructive criticism because constructive criticism is criticism period yeah. still crit- and no one wants to be criticized by their partner we want our partner to to be our cheerleader i mean the world is so hostile to us in so many ways having someone who just thinks you're the greatest and loves you so much and feels like they're just there like they just they're so fond of you it is it's an armor against so many things and and there are so many ways to just shift the communication. I, I, I there's a chapter in my book about I, I call it like mind control for beginners. And I talk about how how I was dating a woman once who um she she didn't like my stubble. You know, I, I'm a lawyer so you know before COVID I had to wear suits every single day. And uh, on the weekends I just wouldn't shave because it was like man I'm so sick of just you know tearing my face up five days a week. I'd yeah. take a few days off, and it. by the second day, I'd have like a little scruffy beard. And she had sensitive skin, so you know, I'd go to give her a kiss or whatever, and she'd be like, "Oh, I hate the stubble, like I man, I, you know." And it it used to just I used to feel so rejected by it. It was so like, wow, like it's the weekend, like, and I I have to yeah. shave all week, and don't you understand that? And did it all right? So so she could say what she said, which is oh, and she has a right to be like, yeah, don't tear my face up with your stubble. Um, but, but there's a better way to do it because a few years later I was dating a different woman and whenever I would shave, I'd come out and I'd you know, give her a kiss and she'd go, Oh god, I love your face when it's clean shave and it's so sexy. You're like Don uh, Draper on Mad Men, you know. Yeah. I would have shaved four times a day. I was like going to carry a razor around all the time. I would I would actually go shave and then in the morning I'd go down and I'd be like, "Oh, by the way, I just shaved," you know. If you want to and, I, and so what did she do? What did that what did she, what did she know? She knew. Hey, there's a positive way to frame the behavior I want mm-hmm. him to do rather than pointing out the thing he's doing that's irritating me or irritating myself skin in that case so that's a huge piece is, is identifying what what it is you want or need identifying what your partner wants or needs finding ways to communicate it that don't feel like criticisms and that if possible kind of deepen the connection between the two of you because the example I I just gave that deepened our connection you know I, she, yeah. I, I felt sexy I felt like compelling and I would do the things she wanted me to do and then I would actually go in for the kiss and she was always smart enough to reward that with, uh, oh God, I love it when you're so smooth. You know, so this is a win-win for everybody, you know, but mm-hmm. you got to identify
0: those. You know, it's so true. It, it, it leads you to the desired result instead of putting you down for the place you're in. And so I many know. times we, it, I, the lack of communication, you can see that in so many levels, you know, I'm sure you see this so many times in, in court cases that the, the inability for the other party to listen, right? Because if to think that we're always right, I mean, that would be foolish, right? So so to understand what the point is or even even if we don't disagree with it from the other party it gives us context how to respond right because i i'd find you know when when i had a relationship but it didn't work it would just be that i wouldn't be open to listen to their side right and that would be that would be the big thing like it doesn't matter what they're saying right they could say the sky is blue but i've already chosen they're wrong and right. when you shoot, when you make that decision there, there's no hope right because you are yeah, I mean,
1: very often with a feeling Mm -hmm. and and that's futile it's futile to argue even with your own feelings well i shouldn't feel that way okay but you do but you do you feel that way so honor that look at it be honest about it you know like well i I shouldn't though i shouldn't feel that way i i I see this in covid now with all the discussions i have with friends because they'll say oh man you know it's so tough and it's stressful right now and i just feel like god when am i ever gonna be able to go anywhere but but you know i'm really lucky i'm really like i shouldn't feel that way i'm really lucky i still have a job wait a minute. How would you say that to yourself like it's okay it's okay to say yeah I just feel really garbage right now about this you know and, and, and that's okay why, why say you shouldn't feel that way very often we're arguing with our partners feelings yeah. instead of just hearing those feelings and and, and acknowledging them and maybe saying oh, okay I, I know that feeling like I have that feeling too when the following happens or or even just listening to it like look we, we tend to want to solve for right so if somebody says you know, oh, I'm, I've just been feel, feeling so stressed at work lately, we start to, particularly men, say, oh, well, all right, have you thought about maybe getting another job? Or, well, you know, maybe you need to talk to your boss about X, Y, and Z, or maybe you need to confront Karen in accounting and tell her, you know, that she can't talk to you that way. And really, what what we need to be doing is listening to that feeling and going, yeah, that's that's gotta be really hard to carry that around, you know? Yeah. And, and just let that be. And let this person sort of, because again, if, if a feeling lasts long enough, sometimes feelings are like clouds. They just pass with time. And then why, why engage them if we didn't have to, other than to acknowledge them, you know, other than to acknowledge them and be supportive. But if it, <clears throat> if it doesn't last as a feeling, like don't, don't feel you have to shift around things or solve for it if, if it may just be something you need to express or acknowledge for yourself.
0: How do we turn around marriage that we don't have such a dramatic percentage of relationships, unfortunately, in in some capacity? What would be, if you were to scratch everything and say, okay, let's start over, what would be your thought? Well, I don't think you can do
1: that. I I don't think you get to sort of erase the past and say, all right, you know, that's it, we're done. Um, But I, I think it's a bit like weight loss. You know, you have to take an honest look at where you're at. You know, I see people all the time who say, you know, I want to get into a fitness regimen. Um, I haven't been exercising at all and I'm 20 pounds heavier than I'd like to be. So I'm gonna go out tomorrow and I'm gonna run seven miles. And I go, okay, well that's, you're just doomed to fail. Like you're not gonna be able to walk the next day. And you're not gonna be able to do it. You'd be better off for the next five days walking for 20 minutes consistently physically that would be better for you <clears throat> and it would set you up for success as opposed to failure so same thing with relationships if we say all right that's it day one we're starting a whole new relationship no you're not i mean it's a lovely thing to say you know it sounds nice and i'm all for symbolic gestures i think we live in a symbolic world so i, I think you know if you really like the symbolism of things yeah okay so move the furniture around in the living room so it reminds you hey we, we've changed something here you know we're by yourself you know each of you some new piece of jewelry or some reminder or wear a rubber band around your, your, your wrist you know so that you both have a tangible reminder of something and it's the reason why you and i are both tattooed you know heavily tattooed i i, I know both of us are tattoos they're reminders of important moments and important concepts in our lives they're they're reminders of, of spiritual and emotional things or people or experiences It's the same thing. We live in a symbolic world. So I'm a believer in the symbolism, but the idea that, okay, day one, we're starting over. No, we're not. We have certain ingredients and we've cooked a meal that does not taste good with those ingredients, okay? So what are we gonna do? Well, once you put the salt in, you can't take it out. You know, So what do you do? You go, okay, what ingredients do we have? We gotta throw out the meal. This meal is not working for us. What ingredients do we have? Okay, we've got 10 ingredients. We made a bad meal out of those ingredients. So we got these 10 ingredients. Which ones could we get rid of? Which ones could we not use as much of if we can't get rid of them? What new ingredients could we put into this? And how could we then mindfully take the same ingredients and make a different meal? And I have to tell you something. This is something we all know can be done. If you give me the same 10 ingredients and you give Thomas Keller from the French Laundry those same 10 ingredients, what he makes is gonna be way better than anything I make. You know, there was an episode of Top Chef where they had them go into like a a convenience store and buy just anything you get in a convenience store, potato chips, Slim Jims. These people made beautiful dishes out of these strange, you know, useless ingredients. I wouldn't have been able to do that. But, but that's what we have to do. We have to say, look, let's take these same ingredients and make a new meal. Let's see if we have to add new ingredients or try to get rid of some of those old ingredients to make that meal taste in a way that both of us think it tastes good. And, and I think that's very, very doable if you're honest about the ingredients and if you're honest about what tastes good to you. That's the hard part. The hard part is telling your partner what it is you want the need there's a chapter in my book called go go without or go elsewhere where it basically says look people cheat all the time I I have a PhD in infidelity from my job I mean I just see more people who've had affairs and nobody has an affair because they want to ruin their life or ruin their partner's life no one has an affair because I want to hurt my partner that's not what it is they have a need that need is not being met That need may not be getting expressed. So their spouse doesn't even have a chance to try to meet that need. Their spouse doesn't even know that need exists. But if you have a need, whether it's a sexual need, an emotional need, whatever it might be, you are not doing yourself any favors by not identifying it and finding a way to share it with your spouse. Because otherwise, you go without or you go elsewhere. And, And neither of those ends well. Going without creates resentment and going elsewhere creates a myriad of other problems.
0: You know, and it's amazing how you talk to, to the mule, right? Because you can look at that point and say, oh, these are all bad ingredients. Or you say, okay, these can be great. Let's. How do we put them together, right? And so many times we look for the negative instead of just identifying the good, right? And the good right. at the moment might be, you know, it might be right here. And that's okay. You can just say, okay, but we do have good. So, so right. what can we right. do to build on that, right? And well, so what do we ahead.
1: do? If you're married, you're a step ahead. Cause you know, you have at least a couple of good ingredients or you yeah. have them at some point, right? Cause mm-hmm. otherwise you wouldn't, there was something, you know, you can take the angriest couple in the world. The couple that, you know, we've all been to like the party or the dinner where there's like the one couple that you can just feel it coming off of them. That they either had a fight or they just don't like each other. They're taking swipes at each other and they just kind of, they're not engaging with each other. One of them maybe is drinking more. And, and all, if you try this experiment sometime, say to one of the two in that couple, so tell, tell me the story of how you guys met. Tell me the story of how you got together. I'll tell you something. It, 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 it's palpable change in people's demeanor. When they go back to that time and they say, oh, well, you know, I was working here and she was doing this and we ran, you know we met each other in the blah, 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 or our friends set us up. And you watch them just sort of soften And you watch everybody at the table sort of soften like people love to hear other people's love stories and and that for me that's an incredible reminder of the fact that you're not starting from no ingredients or bad ingredients yeah maybe there were some bad ingredients back then you didn't realize it okay that's fair but but you had at least a few good ingredients or else you would not be here maybe it was just physical attraction Maybe it was just that you had certain things in common. But rarely does somebody just go out and randomly marry a person that they have no physical, mental, spiritual, sexual attraction to of any kind. There's usually something. So, so what were those ingredients? Go back so you can go forward. That's a huge, huge tool that people do not leverage the way that they should. We, we have power in the origins of our relationships if we just go back to move forward.
0: You know, they the, just the communication level of just just allowing yourself to to just hear the other person and just asking open-ended questions can solve so much, right? I find that it, just like you went back to, even to the, the example with the dentist is that you, you may think it's not big deals, but if it's something that's constantly on your mind, you you have to bring it up and talk about it, right? And but when you do that the way that you, you described it, to framing it, to put it in a context where it, it's it's not a dagger, right? It's something of, 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 of an opening line to, to just help the scenario because we all have to come from a place of help to get a result, right? So and
1: just make it a happen. You know, I, I, I have a, a couple um, that I'm friends with that they, they do, they call it a walk and talk. They, they do a walk and talk every Sunday and they just go for like a walk and, and they talk about how did we do this week as a couple? Like, forget the world, forget our jobs, forget the kids, forget all those things. How did we do this week? Tell me something I did this week that made you feel lovingly towards me, you know? Tell me something that I did this week that I, I could have done better, you know? And, and and that's really to your point about being open to hearing the other person's feelings and not kind of jumping on it, you know, but really hearing it, being attentive to it and, and, and being willing to sort of not self-criticized but would reflect as to the possibility of your own error you know the possibility that you just boneheadedly might have said or done something that that, that didn't land the way it was intended and I think you know there's something really great about regularly making it part of your relationships look if you if we're friends and I say to you Jay I'm gonna call you later I got something really important to tell you talk to you then you're gonna be like wait what is it good (laughs) bad is it like about you about me what is it whereas if if we talk every week and and we have this ongoing dialogue or if i give you the heads up that jay i'm gonna call you later on i have something important to tell you it's about my job it's good okay now, now you can wait now you're fine now you're like all right i can i can wait a few hours to hear that i know it's good it's about his job so it's not like just i have something important to tell you so that's the same thing like why do you wait until you're in a fight to talk about how to have a fight. Like, why not say early in the relationship when you're getting along and everything's great, listen, babe, at some point, we're gonna disagree about something. So when that happens, how do you like to fight? Like, do you need a minute? Like, if you walk out, do you need a minute? If you walk out, do you need me to follow you? Like, do you need me to kind of fight for the communication? Like, do you need me to kind of drag it out of you? Like, let's talk about how we should have a talk. Let's talk about what feels good to us because, you know, some people are decisive, you know, they want to have the conversation in the moment right then and there. I don't want to go to bed angry. Some people are like, all right, just give it a second. Let me digest what you just said. Let me feel what it brings up in me, you know. And so why impose your style on your partner? That's why I like the idea of making a habit of just checking in not just when there's a crisis like why talk about what's wrong in the relationship only when it's gone so wrong that you can't not that's going to the dentist when you have a toothache yeah whereas having that walk and talk having that check-in that's why a lot of the things i talk about in my book are very small things you can do you know leaving your your spouse or partner a note in the morning. how long does it take you to take a little piece of paper and handwrite, not text, handwrite. I had so much fun watching TV with you last night on the couch. Um, I'm so glad I have such a wonderful person. Love you. What does that take? 30 seconds. What does that communicate to the other person though? I was thinking with you. I feel romantically towards you. I feel positively towards you. I appreciate you you know, that you were part of my morning, that you were part of my thoughts. Like, it conveys so much. I, I had a friend who was newly engaged and just moved in with a with a woman, and I told him that that happened, because he said people, you know, when you're a relationship expert, people invariably say to you, you know, oh, give me like a tip, give me like a hack I can do. So that's <laughs> what I give most Almost
0: of the hack, right? I yeah. give it to
1: men mostly. I say to them, listen, write a note, write a note. Just every day, leave a little note even if you're gonna be in the house and she's in the house too, just like leave a her coffee cup or leave a fire lure, put it on her makeup mirror, put it on her makeup mirror, a little note that just says you're the prettiest girl in the whole world, like something. He, this guy came, he was a guy we went to the gym at the same time every day, so I would see him every morning, and he came to me and he said, he said, dude, that was like a game changer. He's like, he's like, the first couple of days she was like, what are you, what, what are you up to? Like, did you do something like? It? And he was like, no, I just wanted to, you know, I just wanted, I don't know, I wanted to get in the habit of leaving you a note. Know he said to me it's like a month later two months later he's like this is the best thing ever he's like we're having more sex than we've ever had she's like walking around in the giddiest mood and and it all because of a stupid note that takes me 30 seconds to leave in the morning i said right i said because what are you telling her every day you're telling her i pick you i like you i'm cheering for you How, where, what's the downside of that? even if you make that investment And you don't get a return on that investment, okay? So you lost 30 seconds of your life. Like that's really such a minimal investment for such potentially huge gain.
0: Yeah, I love that. You can't get to the top of the mountain by jumping, right? It's those little steps that you build upon it. But before we let you go, what's what's your favorite go-to workout?
1: Um, I am, I'm a creature of habit, so I'm big on deadlifting. I feel like compound movements of any kind yeah. is the way to go. Yeah. And I have to say COVID has made me fall madly in love with my Peloton bike. My Peloton bike kind of sat there and yep. I didn't do much with it because I liked going to the gym and I liked, you know, going for runs outside and I liked, you know, I, I liked to vary it up. I do the elliptical, I do a precision run class in the city. Um, and then, you know, when, when COVID started and I said, all right, time to kind of shelter in place. Um, cause the city, you know, I live in Manhattan and, and it was a bit of mayhem. And uh, I started doing the Peloton bike and, and I got to tell you, I, I really got in the habit of it. I, it's my go-to cardio, but my go-to workouts, deadlifting is my favorite thing. I love deadlifts and squats in the mornings and, and they're, they're super good for men because they raise our testosterone levels and, you know, it's good for all kinds of mental clarity. But I like everything. I, I, I trained Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and before the pandemic, that was one of my favorite things to do is my, my Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And, and, uh, but I, I like everything. I just like, you know, moving around and, and I like to at least an hour or two. Do every day just move around and i feel like
0: I, I feel better when i do yep we always do well james i'd love it how to stay in love practical wisdom from unexpected source go out and read the book there's so many little tidbits in there that we can all grow from really appreciate your time thanks so much for coming on the show
1: thanks
0: for, you. Thanks for having me thank you join us for your second cup of coffee every monday through friday at noon live every day, bringing us our best content we've done so far. Super excited, super engaging, bunch of great guests. We're here to answer your questions and we so appreciate you listening. Make sure to check this out. Can't wait to see you.